This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back, guys. Today, we are going to talk about the Lifetime reality TV show Married at First Sight and the toxic theological messages women, particularly Black women, receive and live into, especially in relationships. So Faith is the resident Married at First Sight expert. (laughs) Why don't you start us off with a description of the show? Okay, everyone. So I'm really excited to tell you about this. Married at First Sight is this show where basically they get interviewed by a set of experts. There's three experts. There's a spiritual advisor, a counselor, and um, a sex advisor. Um, And she's like a sex counselor, basically. And so the three of them get together. They interview men and women, um, and they basically decide on who is going to become um, a couple. And they match them based on their personality, types, interest, faith, all kind of like different elements as to like why like they've matched them. So it's supposed to be like this professional matchmaking situation. And then they agree to be on national television, which some people struggle with. We'll circle back to that. But they agree to be on national television and get married to a stranger. And like they meet them on their wedding day. So they do the whole like wedding dress shopping with their family, getting dressed for that big moment, having like, you know, you could maybe have like 20 people from your family and friends there. And then you walk down the aisle and then you're like, hey, shaking their hand. My name is, um, you know, Paige. And the other side is Chris. We'll talk about them. And they're like, nice, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> and that is like how they get married. One thing I thought was really funny is, and I didn't realize, is like after they get married, um, is they have to ask each other their last names. Like they don't yes. even know their la- the person's last name. Nothing. They don't get to, they don't get their social media. They don't get to stalk. They don't do any of that stuff. They literally go in blind. Okay, so Catherine, I need to know. Would you ever get married at first sight? No. Too much of a control freak. I, I can't marry someone I don't even know their last name. I would I mean, do it. I, of course you would. You would go in love as blind. <laughs> I would do it. I would do it all. You're much, you're much more trusting than me. Honestly, I will also say watching this, sh- I haven't watched all the seasons. I would say if I could be guaranteed a, um, yeah, I just, I'm after guaranteed. watching the season, I'm too, I, I'm a little, I'm too worried about getting a Chris. I, 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 I you know, I just, yeah. I, you know, I, I, and also I have questions about their vetting process, you know? Okay, here's the thing, though. Last season was incredible, okay? Amani and Woody, um, favorite black couple on the show. But then also, I'm, like, missing their names right now. It's not coming to me. Karen and Miles, amazing couple. Being on TV was just really hard for Karen. But they did a phenomenal job casting. And I honestly feel like because of the pandemic and everything else, it's almost like the producers needed it to be a mess because – all of the couples from the last season made it except one. 
Yeah. And so I, okay, it's one or two. I, and so I think they, they made it more messy. I, it Messy, definitely. If I can be guaranteed a Brianna and Vincent type situation, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, the mm-hmm. guy, he's like, yeah. They're cute. That Yes, they're cute. They seem like very compatible, you know, and having like normal relationship struggles. Yeah. I'm a little worried about, yeah, Chris. Um, I also worry about um, what's the couple with the '80s guy and like the young girl, Haley and Jacob. Yeah, I don't. He, they they should have never put them together. They also should have never put the other couple together. Um, the super young party girl with the other guy. Like I feel like their relationship is so oh, yeah, up Virginia and down. And Eric. Yeah. Virginia and Eric be struggling. They love each other, then hate each other the next. But then like they don't want to talk about anything important. They just want to live in the land of fun. But then when it comes down to like serious stuff, then they're like, oh well, we'll talk about it later. And it's just like so weird. And then what's the other couple? Why can't I remember these couples' names? The blonde haired. Um, yes, uh, Ryan and Clara. Clara, right? yeah, Clara's like, if you don't have sex with me, I am out. She is tanking, okay? And it's like a month Wait, in, you know she can't take it. It's so interesting to me. Like, when you first meet her, she's, like, so bubbly and outgoing. And then the last, ep- I'm not all the way caught up, but the last couple episodes, it's just like, she seems depressed. Like, it's just, it's really not, you know, it's like, she, it's suddenly she's, like, not even that interested in Chris because they have not had sex. And and I think she, like, sees the other couples. Like, I think, you know, mm-hmm. when, um, you know, Eric and Virginia were like, oh, we've already said I love you. Clara looked like she wanted to murder someone. <laughs> because I think that, like, well, I mean, this is, like, a whole other, like, part and we'll circle back. But, like, I think that intimacy for women sometimes is downplayed as like women just want hugs they just want affection they just want you to wine and dine them but there are some you know women who truly are like Clara where like for her she feels like I want a connection and connection is like if we're going to be married and be husband and wife like I want to have sex with you and with him it's like I'm not going to be quick to fall in love I and I think it's also like the difference of their faith backgrounds as well And I think it's also being on TV for him because like he knows his parents are going to watch and they were really strong in their faith. And so I think for him, it's like he wants to be depicted a certain way on TV. And he also wants to not rush into things sexually. And my assumption is is that maybe he has done that in the past and he just doesn't want to do that. Um, But I really think, Chris reminds me so much of Karen and I think a lot of it is just he does not want to be depicted a certain way on national television and so he's being more reserved he does not want to talk about their sex life on TV and have everybody know about it and that is literally why he's like I just want to take things slow and she's over here like oh my gosh is he not attracted to me because that's how she started to feel Yeah. And I think also, too, like, it's one thing, you know, we're talking about they are married. So to me, even like the religious aspect, it's like this is your wife. So even if that to me, I think. But I also think this goes to like, you know, we talk about like purity culture, like, you know, in this sort of conversation. I don't think it's uncommon that even for Christians, because of the way we've been taught that then when you do get married, you have problems in your sex life because the the messages 
have been so negative. And so this idea that you're just going to like cut it off, um, I think is also not realistic. The other thing with Ryan is he's never even, aside from the sex thing, he's never told anyone I love you. So this goes in. So then I think this goes into this idea that marriage is some sort of cure all for who you are. And like, you know, like things that, you know, I, I've always sort of felt this way is like how you are in dating relationships. You do bring that into marriage. It's not, you're not all of a sudden a different person. Yeah. And so again, this is why everybody should go to counseling individually and in couples because something is going on there that he, you know, not that he, I don't think anything, you know, there are lots of people who've like never been in love. And I don't want to say that that's like an essential part of what it means to like be yes. human or be an adult or whatever. Like if you haven't, that's fine. Like, do you, I just, is strike. it's just interesting to me that to me it's, it's about sex, but it's also about, I think he has an unwillingness to like let himself fall in love. Yes. I think you're right. And now he, and now he's, and now he's married and this girl is like, I want to be with you. And not only are you not having sex with me, but you're also not. You're withholding emotionally from Emotional me well. affection and emotional connection. Yes, Ryan. I think I was saying Chris. But Ryan is, like, definitely withholding emotional affection. Okay. So, let's talk. First, because you watched The Bachelor. I think you watch that more than I do. Um, I don't really watch it. Yes. I watched well, Rachel season. season. Okay. Yeah. So, I do watch a lot of The Bachelor. Oh, but and when I say a lot, only when the lead person is African American. Mm-hmm. So I have watched Rachel. I watch a little bit of Ta- Tasha, Tasha, um, Tasha. But I Tasha. Um, but I did watch this last season with Matt James as a Bachelor. And so you watch a lot more just generally dating reality shows than I do. So yeah. I just was curious how you think Married at First Sight measures up when it comes to positive depictions of Black love. I think Married at First Sight has had, like, several positive depictions of black love. You know, to me, The Bachelor is very, it's catered to white folks, you know, obviously. And then I didn't like how this last season was. I didn't even really fully watch it with Matt. I just kind of, like, kept up with little things. But it was like you picked the most disconnected man with his blackness to be on that show just so you could have, like, a black face in that situation. And I honestly think it kind of caused harm, like emotional harm to him because he he's literally having to kind of like go back and reevaluate his life and his thoughts and his identity in a way that he didn't have to pre this show, especially when it's like you have this man falling in love. I mean, he chooses, but they orchestrate things. You have him falling in love with this racist girl on the show. And then now he feels yeah. all betrayed at the end when he finds out all this stuff about her. And it's like... You, he went through that on national television. Then he had to reconcile with his father on national television. Like, there's just so much that goes on. And what happened with him and his dad was so much a part of his identity. Yeah. That, you know, it just, it was just a lot. So I just think that overall, I think Married at First Sight has still done better at depicting positive, healthy black love. I mean, you, you have, um, Gosh, why can't I remember any of the couple's names? But this one couple, they're they're about to have a baby. Um, yeah, Denisha and must- was it Greg? I don't know. I'm forgetting the names, but um, they were on two seasons ago, and they were incredible. They're about to have a baby, um, and I love them. They were the one that the couples that were in, I think, South Carolina or North Carolina, um, and so I mean, I just think that you know they've done a better job at. at 
at people seeing that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when I, even just like going back and looking as someone, I have not watched any other season other than mm-hmm. the current season. But like when I Googled like couples that are still together, several black couples several. are still together, happy, happily married. Um, yeah, Donna, is it Deanna D- and Gregory? Deanna and Greg, yeah. Yeah, are about to have a baby. But yeah, it seems like overall, like, and there's just not, I mean, yeah, if you like that genre of reality, you know, it's like the black girl plays sort of usually one role. And I think part of this is like one of the reasons we rooted so hard for Lauren and Cameron is because to see a darker skinned black woman portrayed as desirable, to have the one healthy relationship on a sort of interracial dating show is so rare. Um, And so I was struck by, I think what initially, beyond face, like frequent (laughs) pressure to watch this show, I do think when I was like doing research, I was like, oh, this seems like a show that really takes seriously the romantic aspirations and love among African-American couples. And then like, even among the black couples, like there's several women of darker skin and we've kind of mm-hmm. talked about colorism and how, so I think uh, to me, I, that too was also like, oh, I should like check this out. But um, yeah. And t- for the bachelor conversation, you could even tell on after the rose that the Matt James that showed up at after the rose was not the Matt James that went through the season. It was like exactly. his brother who is a dead ringer for Nipsey Hussle. I like, honestly, it was like so freaky watching him when he appeared on the show because I mean literally they look like they could have been twins um had gone like the total opposite direction and so I think it felt like his brother had put him through some sort of boot camp by the time he showed up to after the rose because I can't remember her name but old girl was crying like you know like you know I'm so sorry like can we work it out and he was like no (laughs) I mean mean, for real he literally it was like he he was not reacting he had no emotion at all which also too was a little odd considering like you love this person I mean he didn't propose to her but he loved her and like she was like saying everything was going so great and then this happened and then she said I did think it was interesting that she was like I didn't realize how serious this was until he dumped me which I'm like okay and then to your point he goes, I don't think I can be with someone who doesn't understand my blackness. Now, Matt, this girl is has said some crazy things I and mean. she has said some racist things. But even even aside from that, the Confederate Party and the racist bullying accusations, mm-hmm. what about your relationship with her before you knew all that Say made it. her think she would understand your blackness? So in some ways, you're not even being fair. Like, no. Again, realistic expectations and relationships. Again, guys, I don't want to harp on it, but counseling, got to do a lot of internal work. (laughs) And I think you have to have realistic expectations. I mean, to me, I felt like when he said that, I was like, I feel like that's a little unfair. Mm -hmm. Like, that should have been something communicated on the front end. And now for you to say that now, I mean, when there was, like, at least what us, the viewer, saw, there was no indication that old girl had any understanding of your blackness yeah. Even before we knew this other stuff. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so Faith, we're, we did want to spend the bulk of the time talking about the couple that has generated the most Twitter fingers, controversy, the most. Paige and Chris. Oof, Lord, um, So I'm going to let Faith tell you, give you a little bit of background about Faith and Chris. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Paige and Chris. So we're going to talk about Paige and Chris. You know, give us like 
five to seven minutes to kind of harp on their little section of their story and who they are and all the thoughts that we have. And then we're going <laughs> to wrap it up with go offs. But we have got to talk about Paige and Chris. OK, so let's start from the top. Paige is a beautiful, dark-skinned woman. Um, once again, this is another reason why I love um, Mirrored at First Sight because they aren't just picking light-skinned, skinny, what people might call more exotic, more desirable black women. They pick dark-skinned women. She's curvy, beautiful. Um, I honestly still feel like they could pick more full-figured women, but that's that's another... Anyway, but... Um, Paige is really sweet. She's beautiful. But then you have Chris who talks about how he is used to a certain kind of woman. Y'all, run from men who say this. I used to date a man who would say this. He was a, a narcissist. And he would talk to me about this certain kind of woman he would like and this certain kind of woman and how she would be and dress and what she would look like and how that really mattered to him. And in the before time when all the guys are gathering to chat about what they're excited about or expecting, he talks about the kind of woman he wants and how he's going to be really upset and scared if she's ugly. So Paige comes walking down. Chris sees her and he's kind of like, okay. Internally, he's not happy. She's just not the kind of woman he would be attracted to at all. So much so that once they move into, I'm spoiling here. So if you don't want to be it to be spoiled, pause now. Wait, I wanted to say something about his wedding behavior before we get into like his post marriage behavior. This man tells Paige's friends oh, that's at their wedding, saying. yes, yes, that she's not a trophy wife. She's First not a all, trophy wife. She's not his type at all. Like. He says nothing positive about her to her friends. And I'm still confused. Catherine, come on. I'm still confused as to how her friends didn't pull her aside. I'm like, either y'all edited that out or she just decided not to believe what you were saying. But how did her friends not say, do not pass, go, leave, and don't be with this man anymore? That conversation that they did show us with her friends was so weird because one friend seemed to be like, I'm not feeling him. He's trash. You need to get away from him. But the other friend was like, well, he's joking. He was joking around. And I feel like if he was joking, you know, maybe you get to need to need to get to know him. And I was like, again, what is it about us that we won't accept what is clearly in our face? Like, I was like, sweetie, you don't even know him. Like, to be like, he's joking. Why would you joke like that with some of her best friends? I mean, on your wedding day. For real. Like, why would you even do that? And why would he even... Girl, I can't even... And and the other thing is, is he was just so nonchalant about it. Constantly gaslighting her. Constantly gaslighting her. Up and he's down. And he's good and he's bad. And his emotions are great and then they're not. And then he's happy and he's sad. And it's just... It was entirely too much. So let's just jump into whatever happens, like next in this which is basically throughout the show chris is like using very toxic patriarchal religious jargon that reels page in and also spits her out but at the same time she accepts it it's almost like she believes that like god this is for her and you know she's just supposed to roll with it the biggest spoiler being He basically, pause here, go watch the show if you need to. He basically um, tells her, hey, I I was sleeping with my ex-girlfriend, who is the trophy wife in his mind, six weeks before this show. And she's told me now 
that she's pregnant. Paige refuses to leave this man and has said that God has called her to be with him. Catherine, why don't you tell them about what she felt like was like this symbol from God that they should be together? Oh, can we also, didn't he also like buy the baby mother, ex-fiance, girlfriend, like a really expensive car and not, and not tell Paige? He did. And he can't be bothered to, 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 to do about Paige. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like Paige is like, I just, she has so many, it's so much of like wrapped into this. So let's just say this, Paige and Chris, both Paige and Chris present themselves as explicitly religious. Like his, Chris comes from a family of pastors. He at some point was a minister himself before deciding to go into like business. And so the reason why we are like harping on them and focusing on them is they're like very obviously presenting themselves as Christians. As Faith said, um, Chris gaslights Paige um, and Paige just kind of like accepts it. And the thing is she feels like very clearly that God called her to be a wife, to be a mother. Um, And I think that's why she accepts a lot of this behavior and I also think Paige gets like one sees one thing and then runs with it so for example on their wedding day he like gives her before they meet he gives her a gift of like an infinity like diamond necklace and she's like this is a sign from God this is the person for me because she has um an infinity sign tattoo so she takes this one little sign and then runs with it and holds on to it like forever and it's so funny because the guy so at this point chris's pastor has told her that chris has problems that she should run the spiritual advisor is like it's like even like the, literally begging her the like, experts to please be done yes the experts are like you need to leave him alone um to talk about like the gaslighting and how he is like abusive. He uses religion to like be abusive. Um, They're supposed to have like a a Bible study date. Like he's like, Oh, I'm going to lead you in Bible study. And so she's like so excited. Cause again, she's very like Paige is very devout. Um, And he shows up and he hasn't, he doesn't even have anything prepared. And so this idea that like, you know, he's supposed like, he's supposed to be the leader. She's just supposed to be submissive and take it. Oh, mind you, the other thing is, the whole time that they are going through this, Chris is having sex with Paige. Like, he likes how she, her physical body is. Like, she's very shapely. And so it's like, again, using sex, he's like, I don't like you, and I don't think you communicate that well with me, but I'm perfectly happy to have sex with you. <laughs> yeah, he said he doesn't really like her. He doesn't think he's attracted to her, but he likes he, but he wanted to sleep with her to see if that would make him more attracted to her. And so he uses sex as a manipulative tool to reel her in. Not only that, Paige has some sense of, he's my husband, I have to oblige and give him what he wants. So they had sex the first night they, they um, on their honeymoon, not even their honeymoon, I guess the day after, Um, like two times, two or three times. And she was just kind of like so broken up and confused when he said disappeared on her and was like, oh, well, I just don't know if I'm attracted to you. So she's like, so why are you having sex with me if you're not attracted to me? And it's he literally uses it as a tool of manipulation. And she's thinking because of her religious views like let's once again circling back to purity culture if I have sex with him and I do what he wants I'm gonna make him happy I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a wife and God's gonna be pleased with me yeah no I think even just her idea it's like also too tied up into this idea of like submission right and this idea of like certain people you know there's 
two camps, there's more than two camps, but the two sort of predominant ways most Christians individualize this is that a woman is to be totally submissive to her husband and men in all aspects of life. And then, or that men and women are created equal and they kind of share the burden and responsibility. And there are a lot of people Mm -hmm. that fall kind of in between those two poles and, um, you know, pick and choose or whatever. But I feel like Paige has really fallen into what you've, what you've stated is like to be a submissive wife is to just take what he's giving out. Like if he says, um, you know, I'm not texting enough. I, the problem is me. And it's like he, and so it's like every, I mean, he is just a horrible, I mean, he would be just a horrible boyfriend, not to mention a husband, but it's like, it feels like she has, you know, taken, she takes one or two signs and honestly coincidences and runs with them and builds these whole worlds. But I also think it's tied to this idea of like, he's the man, I have to do what he says. And I just, if I keep loving him and I keep showing up for him, he's going to change. And I think, yeah. you know, for ladies who are dating, like, again, who you are in relationships is who you are. And like, you can't change anyone. Your love or lack of love, your submission or lack of submission. I think this idea, like, you know, there are many, many best-selling books that sell this idea that like, you know, if you're a good wife, your husband won't cheat on you. He'll love you. He won't abuse you, whatever. And so if he does do those things, the problem must be you. And I just think that's so toxic. That's how women get trapped in abusive relationships. I think, um, you know, whether it's spiritual abuse or verbal abuse or physical abuse, it's all traumatic um, and it all causes long-term harm. Um, and so I just think this idea that like you have to kind of, I don't know, that it's like there in, in our culture, to your point, and we talked about this last week with Derek Jackson, it's like we celebrate long suffering, like men that mistreat their wives and wives that stay were like yes 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 like, see she she's loving him she's, she's taking him back and then on the flip side a wife you know has a moral failing cheats on her husband or does something and it's like he's within his grounds for divorce immediately there's not a similar and then getting a new boo like a few weeks later there's not hmm. like this similar like um expectation that both that both parties are like long suffering in their relationships So we kind of talked about the how Paige takes one symbol and kind of like runs with it. But I think this raises a question of how do you, Faith, decipher God's will? I mean, I think I decipher God's will in my life in a few different ways. But then I will also say um, just in like my daily decisions, but then also in relationships. Like I say this all the time, follow peace. So I follow peace for sure. Like, how do I feel inside? Am I feeling like anxious? Am I feeling nervous? Does it feel like the right decision? Like after like, you know, walking with the Lord, you know, for the time that I have in my life, I've realized a few things I need to pray about it. I usually have like a sense that I feel in like my heart and mind about something if I need to do it and move forward. Typically, I will either, you know, journal about it, talk to a trusted friend or or confidant or mentor about things. And um you know, kind of get good feedback. But then I'll also just like, I will literally like 
talk to God, I'll pray about it, I'll sit on it, I'll reflect. And if I feel peace about moving forward and I don't feel like this sense of urgency, like red flag, red flag, this is wrong, then I will push forward and continue. Specifically when it comes to relationships, I pray this all the time when I'm in a relationship. Lord, reveal whatever you need to reveal to me. Don't let me marry nobody crazy. Don't let me get swept up. Don't let me get caught up. I don't want to be on Oprah's couch, you know, in 20 years talking about, I don't know why I married this man. He didn't took all my money and my life and I gave him everything and I got nothing left. Like, I don't want that to be my story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so God, I, yes. I, I be praying very specific prayers. Like, if dude is bad, if dude is not good for me, take him away from me no matter how sad I'm going to be. And I have been praying that for years, all throughout my 20s when I really wanted to be married. Like, come on, Lord, surely, you know, you're going to pick me. I'm going to be picked next, chose next. And and that was not happening. Like, I was praying these prayers, and they were coming, and they were going. And so, um, but I also realized... The prayer, it's like you're praying. <laughs> they like, were coming, was, and they were going. I was struck by the, they're coming, and they're going. And it's like, oh, oh okay, God, you're actually answering the prayer because they're going. Because <laughs> they're leaving. It was like catch and release. Like, oh, okay, like, don't get too comfortable. They, they got to go. Um, but also, I feel like it really is relationships a big part is like knowing yourself if you don't know yourself then like you could be like in a really like bad um position and then um you could like honestly put yourself like in a place to where you're dating just like a trash dude like for real like when you don't know yourself and you don't have like your own um like agency to say yes or no or indifferent then that is something that really affects you um you know, long-term when you don't know yourself. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think, you know, to like emphasize the role of community in helping you discern um, whether something, cause I do think sometimes, I mean, I, I'm not, I, you know, I can't be too harsh on, on Paige because I definitely have done that too, where I feel like, oh, this is a sign from God. And I've just like run off in my own direction and then been Listen, like- we all have, we all been have been like, Paige, okay. Okay, sitting on the side of the road, like boo-boo the fool, like what happened, God? I don't, I don't know. I, I liked thought, him, I thought that was my man. You, you told me, you, I thought you told me this is the one and we were going, yeah, no. So I, have, I, girl, I have I have pledged myself to so many husbands by now. I, I thought so many were the one. I was like, this is the one, I, like I this just, is him. And I think also too, just like taking scripture seriously, like Lord guard my heart. I love your prayer of like, yeah, if he's not the one, take him away. Um, but I do think community is really important in deciphering this. I'm like doing a leadership program and we were talking about about um, like just like the community's role in sort of discerning and discernment process and you know went through these like list of questions that are helpful to like when we're thinking about big life decisions or you mm-hmm. know should we stay or should we go in relationships and it's like you know is what ha- is is what is happening lining up with scripture i would say with Paige and chris no <laughs> you know mm-hmm. is is this representative of what we know to be true about jesus jesus doesn't gaslight so no <laughs> You know, is it encouraging or edifying? Again, no. Because Paige, I mean, the other thing that's like crazy about Paige is she's beautiful, smart, as an accountant, a real estate agent, owns a home, like all these things. And I feel like Chris really has her feeling like she's ugly, like an an ugly nobody. He does. And then undesirable. Undesirable. Literally gaslighting her at every turn. Undesirable. So I would just say, I agree. Um, you know, I, I like the idea of like, Lord, give me peace. And I think also too, like what I like about that is I could be afraid to make a decision, but like, 
God give me peace even as I'm afraid or I feel like I'm being courageous in this in this moment. But yeah, I just I feel like I mean even just like basically does staying in this relationship with this person reflect what I know to be about true about Jesus? And I just want to reiterate, Jesus does not gaslight. He is not abusive. <laughs> and so this idea that like if you're being abused, um if you're being gaslit, if you're being mistreated, you know, tell somebody, don't suffer alone. I think having a community around you. And I also wonder, I mean, it does seem like the the further we get into the season, Paige's like actual friends and family have not been shown as much. Cause I feel Mm-mm. like in the beginning, her brother maybe was very skeptical about like, oh, you're saying you just want him to love God and want to have children. And he was like, no, girl, let me tell you, I've been with my girl, my, you know, I was with my wife for all these years. We've been married for a year and a half. It's got to be more than (laughs) does he love God and does he want to have children in terms of compatibility? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. in some ways I feel like, is this continuing to happen because she's not checking in with her friends and family and they're not, you know, being able to support her in the way that, yeah, we all need to be supported when we're in community and when we're trying to decipher, you know, God's will for our life. I think all of what you said is like a really good like takeaway. And honestly, it's kind of like how you determine when it's time to go, when it's time to leave a relationship because of the things that you listed there. And I also think like, you know, when it's time to go, when like you're not being valued and you're not being treated with respect and when you learn your self-worth then you know like okay I can't take that I'm not going to accept that anymore and so I think ultimately you know that helps you make hard decisions so so when I was in the season of catching and releasing it was easy to release because I started to learn like oh this is what my worth is well then yeah I'm not gonna keep you goodbye like it was nice but you gotta go and so um I definitely think like that's really important when you're like evaluating when it's time to let something go yeah. No, I agree. I think I think that's right. I think I've said all, yeah, when it's time to let something go. I think if you, I also will say, if you feel like you're shrinking yourself or you're becoming less of who you are and who God created you to be to hold on to a man, like that's also a time to go, right? Like if you feel like you cannot be fully all that God has created you to be because, you know, he'll be threatened or it's upsetting to him. I would also say to me, that's a big red flag um, in terms he of- He just got to go anyway. He, he's just got to go. Because- girl, you're worth more than that. Um, So as we wrap up, um, Faith and I have had our fair share of bad relationships, some of Mm. which we have shared with Mm, 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 Um, mm, mm. y'all. I just want to talk to you as like a social worker and and to talk a little bit about the process of healing from toxic toxic relationships. Um, Because I do think, you know, because the other thing is with Chris, like he literally had a fiance, a whole fiance, like six weeks before he did this married at first sight thing. So I wondered if we could talk a little bit about healing from toxic relationships, the wisdom of being quick to jump in and out of relationships without taking time to recover. First of all, I believe in therapy. Everybody should do it. Um, It's one of the big keys for healing from a toxic relationship. But the second thing when you have to heal from a toxic relationship is you have to start addressing the things in your own heart and life that they tore down that they maybe like took away from you or took, you know, away from you in terms of like confidence. So the last relationship I was in was toxic in the sense that, you know, there was a lot of like body shaming and I got really insecure about my body, really insecure about my weight. My weight was always a point of 
contention, if you will. It was always something um, that was a big deal. So was um, the way that I dressed, you know, and things like that. So I had to take time to like heal those parts of me and reclaim those parts of me that felt like I, I had lost my confidence in because I was so busy trying to please this person and what their idea of me was. And so the only way to move forward from anything is to dismantle any lies you've begun to believe about yourself. Um, so then you can know how to, what you need to address within you to heal. Um, and the last thing I will say, you need to be around people that love you. Um, rebounding, I do not suggest it. There are some people who have rebounded and have married those people and it's been wonderful, but I don't suggest rebounding only because you can start masking some of the feelings that you're feeling and you don't really like revert back and address the main problems. You're just kind of trying to like cover up things and be happy again. Um, and if you have not learned how to live with yourself, how to be single, how to enjoy who you are and, and learn yourself. Marriage is going to be so hard for you because it's, you're joining two people's lives. You're not literally going to have that person sitting next to you 24-7 at every step of the day looking at you like, hey, um, so let's whatever, you know. Obviously, pandemic has changed some of those things, but realistically, you're two individual people coming together. And so, you know, you just kind of have to like keep those things in mind, like know who you are, know your sense of self. It's gonna better your marriage. Like you you wanna get married and have your own friends. Like you wanna get married and have that community for your life and all those things. But if you haven't discovered that about yourself, if you haven't discovered how to communicate, a relationship will always be difficult. So like during that time when you're healing from something toxic, like make yourself better, like learn how to grow in your identity, like how you view yourself, see yourself, all of those things, because it will only benefit you in the long run when you actually meet a healthy person, then you're ready to receive them and you're not constantly fighting them. Like, no, you're too good to be true. Are you really? I don't believe it. You're doing too many nice things to me. Like you'll be at a place where you're like, wow, this is great. And I'm going to learn how to accept it because I also deserve it. Yeah. No, I think, um, yeah, learning to date yourself in between relationships, like, you know, getting to really know who you are and who God has created you to be um, and allowing God to do that sort of inner healing work even as you're like going to therapy, you know, do things with your girlfriends. And I think, you know, honestly, I think a lot of us would rather be single than be in a bad marriage. And I think sometimes oh gosh, we don't, hands down. but I think a lot of us sometimes don't date as if that's true. Like we, yeah, that's we date accepting like, okay, I would rather just be married to this person and be in a bad marriage than really accept the reality of like, this isn't good for me and I need to get out of this and I need to heal and there's something better. Um, yeah, I love the I deserve it. Like once you get the right person, it, the sort of overwhelming, like nice and shower affection, the clear communication, um, you will be like, wow, this is how it was always supposed to be. This is how I know it's right. And so, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, guys watch Married to First Sight. It's, you know, <laughs> it is definitely very entertaining. You will be entertained. It is very entertaining. Um, I also, yeah, even just the idea that, this idea that for married couples, maybe the idea that you're always dating even after you're married. Um, I think yeah. it makes it more explicit because they didn't know each other before they were married. But I do think there's some value in this idea of like, you're always dating and getting to know the person if you want to have a long marriage, um, yeah. seems wise. So that's all we have for today. Y'all, it is time for our favorite segment and yours. Go off, sis. 
Um, okay, so this is a segment where we talk to you about something that we're loving right now, um, or we call it our bless, and then also something that is a mess right now. There's so many things. Um, Catherine, what is going on? What is What are you loving? What's your bless right now? Yeah, okay, first I want to bless the queen, Tina Turner. Hey. And I also want to commend everyone to watch the Tina Turner documentary on HBO Max. Um, I just, I think so much of what we know about Tina Turner is a product of the Angela Bassett movie, which is fabulous, what love's got to do with it. She should have been nominated mm-hmm. for an Oscar, should have won an Oscar, excellent movie. But the documentary, so Tina Turner and her husband, they kind of present this as like her farewell to her American audience. And it's like mm. giving her the last word on her story. And she says, I did not have a good life. I, mm. there's nothing to be glorified in this. But then I think towards the end, she says something like, you know, look what I did with this body. She talks about how she didn't think she was attractive, mm. which like blows my mind. But given where she came from and, you know, now she's in this like palatial estate on a lake in Zurich, Switzerland. And it is like, look what you did with this body, girl. Look what you did. Um, I teared up multiple times. I love that. Yeah, she basically is like reclaimed the story. She's like, stop talking about me with Ike. Like, that was a horrible part of my, Mm. like, I am Tina Turner. Like, I'm Tina Turner. And that, like, please, you know, and just, I just felt like it was very realistic about trauma and grief and the ways in which we sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally perpetuate cycles of trauma for victims Mm -hmm. and just by just being insensitive like you know they showed like a montage of interviews I want to say some of those interviews were like 10 15 years after her and I got divorced and all they wanted to talk about was the fact that he was abusive to her and it's like Mm. I'm trying to talk about what I'm doing now like why are you bringing that up and I just Mm -hmm. so I think to me just even like being more aware of like how as a community like we respond to trauma um so tina turner documentary queen tina turner i bless you i love you you're fabulous thank you for everything that you've given us and still looks fabulous at 81 years old i mm-hmm. I, I i live um my mess is voting rights are under attack in this country um yes, we they are. we talked about i think last season we did an episode on voting um the georgia governor signed a law um that would make it harder to vote absentee you know there's all kinds of studies that have shown that um when you institute like voter id restrictions minority voters are more likely to suffer more minority people in poverty disabled people because they're less likely to have state issued id and it's not easy i think you know I don't know about in Georgia, but in Texas, you have to have like, you got to find your birth certificate. Well, to get a birth certificate, the the fee is like 40 or $50. Then you have to like get to the place and then you have to pay, you know, you can get a free ID in Texas now, but just the idea that everybody has the ability, the resources to get all the things that need to, to be gotten, you know, to vote is, is, is not realistic. The other thing is, I think in a lot of ways, I'll just speak to Texas because I'm a little bit more familiar about what's being proposed here. So last election, Harris County to encourage voters, particularly voters who work hourly and working class, did a couple of days of where they you could vote for 24 hours. And there were lots of people, um, you know, one interview struck me in particular with a guy who drove like city bus. And he's like, I've never voted before because my shift, I can't leave. I get paid by the hour. And normal voting hours don't work for me. So he's like at the voting place voting at 2 a.m. 
And so the Texas law would make that illegal. Like you can only vote like standard hours from 6.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. And so just some of the more innovative things that are designed to increase ballot access, um, they are trying to roll back. And really, the other frustrating thing is this last election in 2020, the idea that the election was there was widespread voter fraud. I mean, it's been proven over and over again that is not true. So we're using an excuse. It's like basically like we lost. And rather than try to expand the voter base, um, persuade Same people. Same in 2008. Yes. Rather than persuade people, like, we have better ideas, we're better governing. It's like, we're going to change the rules so that less people can vote rather than, like, you know, work harder to win their votes. And it's really a mess and it's disappointing. And, um, you know, you know, I think if you're a citizen and you live in a democracy, wanting everybody to vote, one, seems like a d- pretty solid democratic ideal. But then I think also, too, as Christians, supporting sort of this, like, partiality to sort of, you know, white, rural, Republican voters at the expense of people that live in more diverse urban counties feels wrong to say these voters are acceptable and these voters are not um, and to make these sort of negative assumptions about them. So, you know... Get involved, support a voting rights advocacy organization, um, talk to your local elected officials and let them know that you do not support the restriction of access to the ballot. Faith, what about you? Um, okay, I ha- I think I have like two things, two really quick things. One is um, I just love music. I love the way that music will take you back to a special moment that means a lot to you. Like the minute you pop on a song, you're like, yes, like I remember that moment, that place that this was so significant to me. And I just feel like lately music's been really healing for me. Not only that, like I've just noticed like amongst our generation, um, there's such a camaraderie and like this like sense of like galvanizing to want to see one another win and excitement. And it's just been really cool because, um, you know, at other times, like people would talk about like how, oh, well, like, you know, you see like one one black person doing something and it's like, oh, they're the one they can. The, they're the only ones who can be there or do that or do this. Um, but to be around so many people and friends that are like, dang, like you go like, man, what are you doing? I'm doing such and such. And everybody's like, man, like, that's great. Like, and it's just like such a camaraderie and like a shared cheering of each other on. And I think that will, that sentiment will only increase in Gen Z, especially because Gen Z is like the, everybody gets a trophy generation anyway. Um, (laughs) but that sense of like camaraderie and like encouraging one another and uplifting one another. Um, I think we need that more than ever right now. Um, and so it's just so special to experience it. So I've found myself caught like listening to music and loving it, but then also like talking to friends on the phone or on FaceTime. And and it's just like, man, what do you have going on in life? Oh man, I got da 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 da. And you're like, man, that's incredible. Like so proud of you. Like, like what you're doing is stepping out there and everybody's talking about like, man, I see everybody winning and it's so dope to see it. And like, that's the energy we need um, in 2021 because this year has been like, crazy already I mean I'm honestly ready for it to be over with I'm not even gonna lie to you (laughs) like I'm kind of like all right let's get Christmas back you know let's get Thanksgiving I'm ready for that um but I'm so encouraged by like the people like seeing people encourage one another especially during trying times um man I am gonna say for my mess I had something else I was gonna say but I just (sighs) There's a lot of stuff happening on Twitter right now, and there's so many 
like inter-Christian fights that are be happening on Twitter and I just cannot keep up with them. And I always feel like there is just something going on. And sometimes I just wish like, well, see, that's why I'm on and off Twitter. But sometimes I'm just like, man, do we really got a subtweet about everything? Like, does anybody care about like the simple pleasures in life, the non-drama things in life? It's also serious over here. Like all I want to do maybe is talk about married at first sight. I don't know. Um, <laughs> something relaxing. But every week is a deep theological debate. And I am like, for the love, do y'all take a break? What else are the hobbies? Like, do I need to follow some 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 kids posting memes? I don't. No, um, I have but it feels so much. No, I definitely have unfollowed some people, not because I don't like their content, but it's like y'all are, you're always in the middle of some mess and I can't be oh. on the timeline trying to figure out what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So I just, you know, I, let me just follow Protect you on your Inst- piece. You know, I, let me just follow you on Instagram where it's just Bibles, where scriptures and pictures about your family. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real, real talk. But I think part of that also for me goes along with like, there's just so much going on in life, so much going on in my life that seeing more drama, I feel like it kind of like, like triggering because I'm like, I don't want to see that. Like, I just want to see people having like decent conversations, maybe some thoughtful things and like keeping it pushing. So anyways, that's the mess for me. Um, If you are planning on having a Twitter argument, don't tag me. Um, I will not be participating. (laughs) I don't have the energy and I don't feel like it. So um, I am, you know, protecting my time. I'm reclaiming it and it won't be spent over there in some mess. Um, Anyways, so... Y'all, that's all that we have for you today. We're going to see you next week. Do not forget, this is what we need you to do. We need you to rate and review Melanated Faith on Apple Podcasts to help others find the podcast because we need your support. It means so much to us whenever you pull up and support us by liking, rating, reviewing, sharing with your friends on social media. This is literally a labor of love, a grassroots efforts. We are not getting paid for this. So your support, Um, means the world to us. Yes, Um, I agree. And to reiterate, um, there have been some sort of behind-the-scenes changes at Melanated Faith. Um, The biggest effect is that it cost us now between $400 and $600 a month to produce the podcast. And so we need your help to keep going. If you enjoy the podcast, in addition to sharing and rating and reviewing, would you please consider supporting our work by joining our Patreon community? Every little bit helps, and we are grateful for your support. Um, Our Patreon subscribers get special content um, just to show our gratitude for their support. So please visit patreon.com slash melanatedfaith. And lastly, we'd like to welcome our newest patron, Emily. Emily, thank you so much for joining our community. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Emily, for supporting the podcast. Y'all go over to Patreon. We do other episodes there. We talk about some more stuff. You kind of get the unfiltered version of us and some of the things that we discuss. And we love talking to you. We love doing this podcast. Um, And just like we love pulling up for you, we need y'all to pull up for us. Okay, we will see you all next time and have a good day. Bye. 
If you love what you're hearing right now, give us a review on iTunes. That helps more people to find us and find our podcast. So we would love if you shared your thoughts about the Melanated Face podcast there and share it with your family and friends. And we will see you all next week.